All right, welcome to the Raz Blitz podcast. Uh, joining me tonight, we have Reed Cashmanian and Stan. Um, Zach will not be joining us tonight, so I'll be doing the recording and the hosting duties. Fellas, how you doing tonight? Doing good, man. Yeah, doing well. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having us on. Anytime, anytime. All right, um, Reed, the Buffalo Bills, their season came to a dramatic ending after uh, – after quite a tailgate, it seemed like in Jacksonville. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously it's disappointing the way that the season ended, only putting up three points in the playoff game. But where do you see the Bills going from here? They are probably going to be. They'll probably be nine and seven ish next year, with a completely different looking team. Um, I'll say a couple things. The playoff game was both encouraging, hilarious, disappointing, and sad at the same time. <clears throat> and what I mean by that is it was encouraging to see the defense play really well and for the most part just stop anything Jacksonville had on offense other than Blake Bortles running, which, uh, oh, okay, like that's fine, I guess. Um, holding a team to 10 points on the road and when your defense is known for giving up just gobs of yards to opposing running backs and you make Leonard Fournette look completely useless out there. It, it was a good thing to see. Um, disappointing in that some, like, first and goal from the one, just run the ball three fucking times. Like, that, to me, that was like, just just run the damn ball. Like, I, I just didn't understand it. McCoy can get you the one yard. Um, I'll just give it to Tyron on a keeper. Um, it was disappointing because I think the offense just really, like, th- the aerial game was just terrible. And there were, oppor- it was more missed opportunities than it was, like, if the Bills were completely outclassed and had no shot at winning the game, okay, fine. But they had they had a chance to win it. Oh, so yeah. That's where it was disappointing. Um, I say completely different because as before we hit record, uh, we were talking about does Tyrod Taylor come back? 90% he doesn't. Um, and that means they have someone else at quarterback. Peterman, the Peterman era. Yes. It probably yep. won't be the Nathan era. <laughs> the Nathan Favre era. Although, I'm just going to throw this out there. People are going to say, oh, he has six interceptions on the season. I, I, You won't get me to believe that that one at the end of the Jacksonville game was an interception. That ball hit the <laughs> ground. It's not an interception. Like, I, I don't know how else to phrase this. Like, that's not an interception. I, I don't know what they were looking at. I don't know. How I don't think there was a really good camera angle besides the one camera angle that showed that it that the ball hit the ground. But I really couldn't tell if he had his arm around the ball when it hit the ground or what. Like, and I mean, it's if you're if you're gonna have the same rules for a catch, you have to have the same rules for an interception. Exactly. That's why I was like, I, I, I just didn't get it. But that's besides the point. Whatever. Um, I think they draft a quarterback. I think they also signed one in free agency, but Ooh. we'll see what happens. Uh, do do the old Chicago Bears move, the Glennon uh, Trubisky thing. It could be something like Sam Bradford, and then if they are able to sit and grab a quarterback at 21 and 22, or they sign Sam Bradford in the offseason, and then they just trade up to like 
I was theorizing with you guys beforehand, four or five. They'd have to get a – the key for, dra- for like, draft is you have to get in front of pick six because that's where the Jets are. Mm-hmm. And you know the Jets are going to take one of uh, Mayfield Donald, or Jackson. Rosen, Mayfield or Allen at that. I, I don't know if they would go for Allen there, but I could see it. You know, your disrespect for Lamar Jackson is really, really killing me, Reed. It's not, it's not ours. Him, it's, not a, it's not a disrespect for Lamar Jackson. It's the idea of, I understand where these teams are valuing the player. Right, right. And right, I think they're not valuing him as a top five pick right, right. now. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's not us. Day, the, once the combine and the pro day happens, there's all bet all bets are off. You could come we could come out of the combine and Lamar Jackson is seen as a consensus top ten pick in the draft. That could very well be the case. But we don't know that yet. I think he hurt himself a little bit in the bowl game. Um throwing all 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 them picks. But uh yeah, like he's my number two quarterback behind Baker Mayfield as far as people that I think have what it takes to make a splash in the pros. I mean I think Rosen and Darnold are both fine, but uh, Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield are, are my top two. Um, but Stan, uh, we've had some time to process this a little bit um, with with John Gruden going to the Raiders. So have you been able to talk yourself into it? Ah, the return of Chucky. You know, uh, I went to the Black Hole a few years ago with a buddy of mine, and uh, Chucky was there. And I mean, he's walking around the stadium, walking down, greeting the fans. Like he was like a total rock star. Um, he's just like totally, uh, you know, rejuvenating the whole uh, the whole city, the whole energy. Um, you know, little things like that I've read. Uh, you know, obviously Mark Davis has had a hard on for him for a while, so he always wanted him. But I think past that, it's more along the lines of, you know, they needed to placate the the fans in Oakland because they're leaving, but then also usher in the new era in Vegas. So, you know, they need like that rock star leader to kind of put a face on the franchise, sort of, you know, sort of speak. So you have talked um, yourself into it. I I, I think so. Um, you know, the ten years is is, is kind of ridiculous. Um, but I think from like an X and O standpoint, um, I think the one thing that I have kind of talked myself into is that. All right, so, you know, there's all the numbers of how he really, his offenses weren't that great while, while he was coaching. You know, his record was barely above 500, you know, things of that nature. Um, but I think the one thing that that does give me some optimism is that this time that he's been in the booth, you know, he's obviously been able to talk to other coaches around the league. You know, he has that certain access. And he's been talking a lot about, you know, his intrigue for the spread offenses, you know, the up-tempo, uh, a lot of the, you know, college uh, type of uh, schemes. So it looks like he's been digging into that, talking to coaches. And you know, I'm kind of thinking that he's been incorporating, he's kind of been rebuilding his his playbook to incorporate a lot of the things that he's liked, mm-hmm. a lot of the things that he's talked to. Um, and, that, you know, it seems like that's kind of rejuvenated him in, in, in coming back. You know, he had, it's like, you know, you go to Madden when they used to have to create a play, and so he's like, you know, he figured, you know, configured all these plays and he's kind of, you know, excited to experiment and, and, and to see what they're all about. Um, and, you know, there are pieces on this Raider team. 
uh, both offensively and defensively. And I've been really disappointed in, in the coaching the last few years just because it's been so vanilla, you know, no adjustments. It's, it's really been terrible coaching. Um, so, you know, I, I am, I yeah, to answer your question, I have talked myself into it um, just because there is some optimism there that I believe, uh, you know, he can bring some energy and he can bring, as long as he innovates, and as long as he, you know, does incorporate uh, a lot of the modern, you know, schemes and a lot of, you know, modern concepts, then, uh, then yeah, I'm all for it. All Interesting. right. Stan, I actually have a question. Sure. Um, I, you said that the coaching was really bad. Yeah. Um, so Jack Del Rio's been there for two years, was there for, I think it was two years, right? Yeah, a little, yeah, about two years. Yeah, yeah two years. Okay. Um, And then they went. 11 and five in the first year. And then Derek Carr got hurt in the last game of the season. And what do you think the main difference was between the first year where they were going forward on fourth down all the times where everyone compared Jack Del Rio to, um, I think it's Kyle's dad from South park with the massive balls in the wheelbarrow, (laughs) just going forward everywhere. Uh, someone in the comment section can please correct me if I had the wrong South park character reference. Um, but it was like everyone just said like Jack Del Rio is just such a baller right now, just going for it every time. Just give him the leather jacket back. And then this la- this past season where they just look completely lost. Do you think it was more they just caught lightning in a bottle the first year? Yeah, I'm under much. pressure. Yeah, yeah. I'm oh, sorry. Wait. I I think I said last week. I'm not really sure that Jack Del Rio needed to be fired. I, I think I this agree. was just a matter of Derek Carr was just hurt, and he wasn't 100% healthy, and Amari Cooper all of a sudden caught the yips when it comes to catching a football. Right. And then Michael Crabtree starts doing his own thing. Right. Like It felt like, like everything that could have went wrong went wrong, and I don't know if do you think it was um do you think it was an overreaction to fire Jack Del Rio? Okay, so here's my perspective on that. You know, okay. obviously I think I, I think you're right. The first year, you know, there was kind of lightning in a bottle, um, in terms of variance, right? I mean they had like Derek Carr, I think it was like seven come from behind wins. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. so they were put in those positions and you know, I mean they, they won a lot of those, right? But you know, if you played out over a few seasons, like those things even out, right? And so I think, so it's kind of strange that in back-to-back years, it's kind of like you saw the highs and the lows of the variance monster, right? So in terms of actual coaching, like here's my issue with, with you know, his coaching per se. Um, I think he's just really, really bland, really vanilla. Like, so like in terms of, uh, you know, adjustments and scheming per se, um, it, it was really bad. You know, like just, okay, so for example, like his hiring of Ted Norton as the defensive coordinator, um, I get it. I get what he was trying to do, right? But, you know, to, to run that cover three system that they do, like you need certain pieces in place, right? Um, you know, you need your Earl Thomas free safety, right? But I think the key is, you know, for that system is, you know, obviously they have good cornerbacks, but it's the linebackers and, and the front, right? So they're able to 
you know, generate pressure with their front four, and their linebackers are so fast, right? And so in terms of coverage and things like that, they're just able to plug all the holes and, and get around the ball. And then obviously, you know, old Thomas in the back, he just, you know, he can run from side on the sideline. So, okay, so you want that scheme, but you don't have the players, right? So if you don't have the players, you have to make an adjustment. Like you can't keep running that thing, you know, and expecting the same, you know, the results that you want, right? So you need to adjust. The Raiders have had the worst linebacking core or one of the worst linebacking cores in, you know, for the last like three, four years. Yeah, I so, thought Bruce Irwin, Irvin was going to, you know, be better than he has been. Yeah, me too. I thought so too. And, okay, so, you know, if you know, they brought him in to be opposite Khalil Mack. And, you know, I, I get I get the theory. But, okay, so we want to talk about Khalil Mack. You have this guy that, you know, is a Von Miller type edge rusher. Um, you know, he can, he can change the game. So, the way that they looked at, at him was like, okay, let's just leave him out on the island and then, you know, let's just do our thing. But teams were just like, okay, we'll just put two guys, we'll chip them, and once they neutralize him, then there was nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Servant wasn't able to step up. You know, the guys that they, they drafted on the D-line, they weren't able to win their one-on-one matchups. So, you know, like, so you're basically seeing that same thing happen every single game. At some point, you need to make an adjustment, right? You need to slant the line. You need to do some stunts. You need to basically put – you want to put your best positions in, in the best position to, to succeed, right? So you right. want to, you know, overload the other side. You know, get Khalil Mack one-on-one with the back or tight or whatever. Like, just scheme it. But, they, you know, so they just did not do that. It's just really vanilla, and it's kind of disappointing. Um, you know, that's why, like, I always make this rant, like, you know, Bill Belichick – He's great, right? He's able to, you know, in terms of attention to detail, uh, you know, he does all that things. But I think what makes him really good is because he does the logical, right? And because he does the logical and most of the coaches are illogical, that makes him look like a genius, mm-hmm. which is kind of weird, right? But um, so, so I guess to, you know, to answer your question, I think it was, it was a combination of, uh, you know, lightning in a bottle the first year. The second year was a complete opposite, right? Injuries, the variance, you know, things of that nature. And then, you know, that the actual coaching and adjustments and things like that. So, um, one more question about the Raiders <clears throat> Do you think Derek Carr is good? <laughs> I think he's good. Um, do I think he's on the elite level? Um, I'm not sure he's on the elite level. Uh, but, you know, I mentioned this. You know, in a in past pods or actually speaking off the air, um, I just don't think the coaching staff put him in the best position to succeed, mm-hmm. and I don't think they go to the thing. And that's what kind of intrigues me with Gruden, right? Because, um, right, like Carr, like I think the cool thing about Carr is that you know he was able to learn from his brother, and his brother got pummeled in the NFL, and his you know his brother was able to kind of guide him showing the mistakes and things like that like you know there's all the stories where you know he's going to the, the game with his father when he's like on a seven or eight years old and from the stands he's able to like oh that guy's coming that safety's coming down like they're going to check the cover three like like at that early age he was able to have that sort of awareness and you know strategic understanding of the game so I think he's a really you know good quarterback he understands you know the quarterback position but you know I think honestly I think his best 
you need. I think you put him in the spread system and let him have control at the line of scrimmage. Okay. You know, get the ball out of his hands quick. Um, you know, I mean, that's why you know Gruden. I think if he brings in a lot of those concepts, I think he'll be very good because, you know, a Cooper, Crouchy, well, Crouchy's probably gone, but um, you know, Cook. There's pieces there, right? His, Derek Carr's strength to me is, you know, getting the ball quick, understanding, like giving time to, you know, look at the defense and, and and kind of go from there. Whereas, you know, they were trying to build this like mauling, like power running game, like, you know, we're the Raiders, rah rah rah, like we're gonna slam it down your throat. I don't think that's that's conducive to Carr's um, to Carr's strength as a quarterback. No, I, I agree with you a lot there. Um... But we should we should go ahead and get into the playoff games. Um, the first game, four thirty five Eastern, on Saturday, the Atlanta Falcons visiting the Philadelphia Eagles. The Falcons right now are a three point favorite, and the over under uh, on Bovada is forty one and a half. So we will start with you, Reed. Uh, you gotta like the Falcons here. I think. Am, am I right? Um, so, uh, Viz and I did our hockey podcast this morning. You guys should check it out. Um, before we recorded, he and I were just spitballing about this game. Everyone loves the Falcons. Everyone loves the Falcons. Oh no, the public curse. Oh my God. I I just, I'm so conflicted by this because the Eagles defensively are still really good. And Steve Sarkeesian is still not a good offensive coordinator. And, like, it's hard for me to sit there and be like, yeah, give me the Falcons giving three points. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean. To me, like, it's three, and the the total's at 40. I have it at 41, but 41 and a half, whatever. I like Philly in the under here. And I know we like to say life's too short to bet the under. <laughs> but it's really but smart. <laughs> it wasn't Atlanta's it wasn't Atlanta's offense that really impressed me in their win over the Rams. It was their defense. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I think Philly's defense is also incredibly strong. So I, I I like Philly in the under. I like Philly getting the three points. I don't know if they're going to win a game, but I I like Philly getting three points. Like, you're a home team. You're the number one seed in the NFC. Like, how the the fuck can you be getting three points? Nick Foles. (laughs) It doesn't matter. He's pretty bad. (laughs) He's won games before. He has. He's had had two weeks to prepare for this game. They're going to have something. They'll be fine. I'm not worried worried about it. The thing about the Falcons is, is... Yes, the public adoration of them right now scares the living shit out of me. But they have been playing f- playoff football since what, like weeks fifteen, weeks sixteen? I mean, must win games. Sure. Yeah. So they they, the- they are rolling right now. They'll be ready to go right in the first quarter when Philadelphia is, you know, warming up a little bit. I mean, this this game could be ten to nothing, fourteen to nothing at the end of the first quarter. With Nick Foles maybe not not having what it takes to to bring them back against um, a defense that has really improved throughout throughout the season. I mean, I as much as I hate on Dan Quinn, as much as I praise Shanahan for their 
their year last year. Like, he has coached the defense very well in the playoffs the last couple years. So, I mean, I would feel stupid taking... Like, not saying that someone that does take Philly is stupid, but, like, me, myself, like, I would feel stupid taking Philadelphia and just watching Atlanta wash them. So... I'm not betting on this game, actually. Like, I'm betting on the other three games. But, like, I really just don't know what to do with this one. Like, I don't have any confidence because I'm kind of thinking along the lines of, as you just explained, and what if Nick Foles actually does put something together and the Philadelphia defense is better and they're at home and Atlanta's not playing in a dome. Like, I just don't know what to do with it. So, uh, Stan, maybe you can help me out a little bit. Um, maybe you can... Yeah, I'm in a- I'm in the same boat. I'm I'm really conflicted because you know I usually love the home dogs, um, and you know in terms of the rest aspect of it, I kind of lean, you know, towards Atlanta. Like you said, they've been playing you know meaningful games for the last three four weeks, and I think there's credence to, you know, being in that position, right? Like you kind of had that momentum, like you're feeling good about yourself. Uh, you know, let's not forget this team went to the Super Bowl last last year, right? So. Yeah. There's a lot of experience. Um, I was really impressed with how they shut down the Rams' offense, you know, last week, especially the run game. Um, there's a lot of speed on that defense, and if they're able to jump out to a lead, right, a one, you know, two score lead, ten nothing, fourteen nothing, you know, that puts the onus on the pulling dynamite. And I don't know if I have faith uh, in him being able to do much. Uh, I, for me, the one positive thing that I can see for Philly is. Um, if they can get that run game going, um, then they, sh- you know, they should have some success there. Um, it's, but it's just a matter of, I mean, I mean, if you're Atlanta, like you just put in the trying to put the game in in Foles' hands, right? Right. So, um, yeah, I'm conflicted too. But if I had to put, you know, hard-earned American dollars on this game, I'd, I'd probably lay the points. Maybe I'm a fish. Okay, I'm the, I'm with the public here. So I don't know. All right, um, moving on to the Saturday night game, 8-15 Eastern on CBS. So hopefully Romo has this game, and hopefully he's not completely bored out of his mind because he was fun to watch last week, I'm I'm not going to lie. The New England Patriots and the Tennessee Titans. New England is favored by 14 points right now. Uh, Looking at Bovada, it looks like a lot of people are betting Tennessee, so that might head back to 13.5, and I caught that at 13.5. Uh, on Sunday night, I believe uh, it, it was a lot of beers in, and uh, I think it was you Sunday the, night. You took the points, or you laid? Oh, you um, I have New England minus thirteen and a half. No, okay, gotcha. I I would have taken them minus you know twenty four at this point. I mean, Tennessee <laughs> is terrible. Um, I, I actually took the points at fourteen here. Okay, um, all right. And so, so I, I you know I'll, I'll start it, and it's it's I'm not, I don't feel good about it, you know, just because. You know, New England has the uncanny ability. Do you remember? Let me interrupt you real quick. Do you remember the game last year against Houston where? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I think the spread was about the same thing. And it looked like Houston was going to hang right in there. And New England just ended up covering. Yeah. Yeah. they're, They're amazing. That's why, that's why, even at 14 points, I just can't bet against them. But go ahead. Yeah. No, I. I, I hear you. I guess the one thing for me is actually there's two things. Tennessee actually matches up pretty well with them, at least offensively. On defense, 
Uh, it's going to be a problem. Um, you know, they can't stop the pass catching running backs and they can't defend the tight end. So Gronk and White or, you know, Lewis or whoever, they're going to have the advantage. Brady's going to put up points. But from the other side, their power running game, Derrick Henry, he's really good. The exotic and, you know, smash mouth. Yeah, right. It's so exotic. It's so lame. But anyway, <laughs> um, I think they can run the ball here. Um, and they run the ball. They can you know, kind of control the game a little bit uh, as long as the game doesn't get away from them. But even then, they showed a commitment you know, to the run. You know, keep Brady off you know, off the field. And we've seen times this year where, you know, he hasn't been as sharp as he has in the past. Um, right. He, you know, mm-hmm. they can, you know, it's a lot you know, of the first half. Ball. Yeah. Yeah. They can do it. But I think the, the thing for me is Mariota looks healthier. And I think that's the key because he's been banged up all year and that's really affected him. Um, obviously it takes away his running ability, but even on his throwing, you know, you could tell, like, it was definitely bothering him. But the last, like, two, three weeks, he looks healthy, he's able to run. And I think that added dimension um, can at least allow Tennessee to keep the chains moving. Because, like I said, I think they're going to have success running the ball. Um, so, you know, I, I I think New England wins this game for sure. But, I, you know, I kind of think Tennessee can, can get the cover here. But like I said, it's scary because, you know, the Patriots, they do like to sweep the leg and they have the uncanny ability uh, to cover whatever the number is. All right, Reed, you got you to gotta break the split here. Which direction are you leaning? <laughs> well, it looks like Stan and I are on the same side on this one. Let's you're just a – I know you're a Patriots <laughs> hater, but let's be no, 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 honest no, no, no. here. Let me, let me put it this way. If this game was in the regular season, this spreads what, eight and a half, nine? You think? This is to me. This this spread, dude. Thirteen and a, like I'm looking at it at thirteen right now. But if it's at fourteen, that's too many points. It's too many points to be giving. But I mean, like, the Steelers did it last year. The Steelers and did it last. Here's the thing. Here's the Tennessee's going to stumble on accident into the right answer in terms of what they should be doing. In terms of what they should be doing at running right. back, yeah, like it's. I think it's pretty clear to every Derrick Henry owner this year that Derrick Henry needs to be the one getting the fucking carries and not Demarco Murray. Oh yeah, totally. And because Demarco Murray's already been ruled out, Derrick Henry, I, like, I think Derrick Henry is going to have a big game this week. I, I don't I'm with you. I'm with you. like. I I'm not really sure. Like, give me the Patriots defensive player don't say james harrison give me the patriots defensive player that you know is going to sh- shut down derrick henry i don't have one give me give me the linebacker that's going to be able to spy Mariota. like that there's where my issue is with this is i, I think tennessee is going to be able to move the ball on new england and if they're doing it with derrick henry that means they're running the ball means they're bleeding the clock yeah. limits the possessions on new england do i think new england's gonna be able to score yeah but here's the thing. It's not like Tennessee has some schmucks at, in the secondary as well. Like, they have uh, really good safety in Bayard. They have the first-round pick, Adderie Jackson, to go roam around with uh, Brandon Cooks, who can match up speed for speed because Adderie Jackson is just lightning fast. Mm-hmm. So, like, I actually think Tennessee matches up pretty well with New England, but I like I still think New England's going to win the game. I don't think they're going to do it by more than 14 points, though. So like, at I least it'll be worth watching, then. I mean, I'm going to lose yeah, how many money. But... Do you think, how many points do you think that ESPN article is worth? Two points? 
three points? Ooh, uh, I think that's. I think that's. I think that. I think that's favoring the Patriots. I think that can refocus them. them What like two point boost? Yeah, because everyone thinks, oh, now Brady's going to come out and just shit on everybody. I think it's a it's a ref it's it's a fire under their ass. I mean, it's it's a it's a refocusing of goals. I think it's three points. Three I think points? that article's worth okay. three points. Wow, that's pretty big. Actually. Three points. Yeah, that's like yeah. a that's like a running back. Like, like that's a yeah. that's like an Alvin Kamara swing or something like that. You know. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Anything else left on this game? Uh, we can move on to the Sunday games. Yeah, we can go to the Sunday games. Okay. Uh, the one p.m. Eastern game on CBS. Uh, so. Quick question before we get into this game. Does Tony Romo fly from New England to Pittsburgh since it's so close and call both games? Yes. He does? I I think they've already I think they've already cloned him, so he's already in both places. Okay, yeah, he's already in both places. Okay, so it's it's gonna be a good weekend. Um, we have the technology. We, yes. Yeah, I mean we clone sheep, right? Like, and we have we have robots that sweat now too. Um <laughs> So, I have Jack. Okay, uh, Jacksonville is seven and a half point dogs. The over under here is forty one, which I think the over is a great play here. Um, oh. I have Jacksonville seven and a half. I've already led the. I've already laid the bet. I'm a little scared about what you guys are going to say. Oh but boy, I, I do not have good news for you. Okay, <laughs> um, um, I think Pittsburgh is going to kill them. Uh, honestly, I, I think Pittsburgh's just going to absolutely murder this team. Um, I, I think it's pretty clear the first time they played, Leonard Fournette was 100% healthy, and he dominated Pittsburgh. I think based on the past, I don't know, Stan, what would you say, eight weeks, it yeah. is pretty clear that Leonard Fournette is still not 100%. Right. He's not running hard. He, he's, not, he's not running with the same, like, oomph and power to it. Like, I, I think... Le'Veon Bell is just going to murder this Jags. I, I think Pittsburgh's just going to blow them out of the water. I would love to. I would love Pittsburgh uh, laying seven. Like I think they're just going to. I think this game will be over by halftime. If they're going to wow. get up. They're going to make the. They're going to make the Jags start chasing points. And Blake Bortles, if there's anybody who has less confidence than Blake Bortles in terms of throwing the football, I'd like to meet them because I don't think they exist. I think he has the least amount of confidence of any quarterback in America right now. Oh, you can just tell even, when he's talking to the so press. Even Hurts when, when it comes to throwing the football. Yeah, like, I agree. It was hideous watching him throw. He had he the easiest he throws. He can't complete a two-yard two pass. He, can't he had the throw. easiest throws in the game to Buffalo, and he still couldn't hit them. Like, they, if you're Nate Hackett, you're like, what, what the hell can I do for you? Like, you can't hit that pass. Well, then d- just don't throw the ball. Run it. Like that's the problem. Jacksonville can't throw the ball. As soon as Pittsburgh gets a lead, this game's over. Ah, uh, can they get a lead against AJ Bouye and Jalen Ramsey? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I think they yeah. can. You know, like like that first meeting, the five interceptions. You know, like that's obviously that's not repeatable. Yeah, it's not repeatable. And I actually think that game actually does a lot for Pittsburgh because. Um, you know they're not going to take them lightly. Like they showed. The, oh, they're uh, already talking about New England. Oh, are they really? Oh, I didn't even know. Oh yeah, I'll put that tweet in the group chat. Uh, of oh, okay, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, 
I just can't see. I can't see Antonio Brown beating Jalen Ramsey the way Jalen Ramsey's playing right now. Like, you can call me crazy. Like, obviously, I know Antonio Brown is the best receiver in the NFL by a lot right now. But Jalen Ramsey's playing on another level. Yeah, he's good. He's good. Um, I still think Antonio will, will get his. I, I think the two guys, though, are Juju Smith and uh, Vance McDonald. Um, you know, Juju had, like, I think five catches for 40 the first meeting. But he's really, you know, come on and he's really developed. He'll probably have Bouye on him. I, he'll be in the slot, won't he? So he would have Colton. So Martavis Bryant will be on the outside. I think yeah, I think Martavis right. on the outside. Um, so I, Colvin is good, but I think out of those three, uh, he, he's you know the most exploitable out of the three. Yeah. So I think I think you know Juju has has a good, pretty good matchup, and he and he's good. But I think you know the last like four or five weeks of the season, um, you know teams really started to attack Jacksonville via the tight end. I remember it started with the Drew Stan. Uh, Arizona, uh, he was kind of killing him in the middle of the field, and uh, you know I think Dan will will be able to have some, you know, some uh, moments there to exploit the middle, uh, and you know obviously Le'Veon Bell on on the dump offs. The the line when I, I mean I feel like the line is is kind of fishy. Like they're like begging for Jacksonville money here. That's that's the sense that I get here. I now, am I wrong or not? I think. I think Jacksonville can lose this game by three. Like, okay. I think that's. Wow. I I'm not sold on Pittsburgh. I okay. They they played great football this year. Um, they should have beat the Patriots. Um, I I guess I'm just. Not, I mean, well, being not being sold on their defense doesn't really matter with Jacksonville, but. <laughs> Yeah, there's there's a lot to be nervous about on the Jacksonville side of the ball, but I, I I really like their defense and I think they can keep it close. And I guess since I already have money on it, I'm gonna have to die on that this week. So, <laughs> um, you know, I think uh, we don't have to make just, me feel better. It's it's no, okay. you just I mean, the game plan is pretty simple, right? You just load the box. And try to put, you know, try to force Blake Bortles to beat you. And, and I can. think that's a pretty good game plan. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, if the Bills, who give up a gazillion yards on the ground to everybody, like the last, the entire season, can do it and hold the Jags at Jacksonville to 10 points, yeah. like, Jesus, man. Like, what's Pittsburgh going to do? What's Jacksonville going to do on the road to that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Hopefully it's more of an interesting game than you guys are predicting. All right. Good luck, Matt. Yeah, <laughs> Thank, luck, thanks, guys. Thanks. <laughs> Maybe I should have thought about that one a little more. Maybe I can get you guys on my side for this one since I've laid money on this one as well. Uh, the 3.30, or I'm sorry, 4.30 Eastern Time game on Fox. Uh, the New Orleans Saints are uh, four-point underdogs to the Minnesota Vikings. The over-under is set at four. 46 and a half. My pick is I laid money on the New Orleans Saints plus four. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, fuck. I, <laughs> I like Minnesota a lot. I like Minnesota too. All right, go ahead. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, you know, their defense is really good at home. Um, New Orleans, you know, their one Achilles heel is their run D, and Minnesota wants to run the ball, and they should have success. 
Um, you know, these two teams played in week. I one. mean, is Latavius Murray and Jerick McKinnon going to do that much damage against against New Orleans? Um, I think, think you are highly underestimating yeah. Jerick McKinnon and Latavius Murray and their ability to run the ball. I mean, yeah, yeah they uh, McKinnon was a great pass catching back this year and had some great runs. And Latavius Murray was very dependable in the red zone this year. And you know, in the third and fourth quarter when they had leads, he was you know picking up some yardage. But um, this is a playoffs. I mean, is that is that who you want running the ball? Hey, go ahead. Uh, yeah, you know, let's say this isn't the greatest back but he's big he's strong he's able to fall into the end zone and you know i think the defense is going to be able to put them in pretty good position um you know let's not forget i mean these teams played week one uh sam bradford that's that's a totally different saints team it is it is but their defense is better but if you've noticed like especially last week their defense is pretty bad um so i have i have a lot of concerns actually with uh, the New Orleans offense. Okay, well, uh, um, I mean, a lot of bad defense on both sides of the ball, actually. Me and Reed last week uh, talked about it, and we yeah. felt that it was a Cam Newton game last week, and that's what it ended up being. And it, it was so close to it, seeing Cam Newton winning it. It it just so happened that New Orleans was able to simply score more points. So, yeah. I mean that. That's uh, they still covered, uh, Carolina covered, so that's all that matters, right? Yeah, uh, but (laughs) Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, I mean, Drew Brees going for the second Super Bowl against a Minnesota team that's had the week off. They have Case Keenum, who doesn't have the playoff experience at quarterback. I realized how fantastic Harrison Smith or Harrison Smith is playing and Xavier Rhodes and just that entire defense. But can they stop Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram, Michael Thomas? I mean, they shut him down week one. They shut him down week one. We're talking so about I'm... we're talking about a team that was trying to give Adrian Peterson the fucking ball. Yeah, so that's true. I, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. So I think there's a couple things to like take away. Week one, it was that I I. How do I want to phrase this? I almost want to take nothing away from week one because that was a Sam Bradford-led team. I think Pat Shermer and Case Keenum are lightning in a bottle right now. We talked about it before earlier in the show, but I think this is just lightning in a bottle this year. And honestly, I don't give a shit whether Case Keenum has the playoff experience or not. Like Their offense rolls. Like They still put up points at home. They don't get shut down at home. That's just not how things work against this Minnesota offense and this Minnesota team. The Minnesota defensive line is very good. Their linebacking core is very good. Their defensive backs are very good. There's a reason they're the number two seed in the NFC. Like They are just a very good team. And I think, and I honestly, I think they've had enough time to prepare and they were probably almost expecting to see the Saints again. So, okay, well, you definitely have something lined up for them. And I like, I could totally see Minnesota winning this. I, like, four points, giving four, that's okay. I Like, I can live with that. That's why I, I like Minnesota giving the uh, laying the four this week. I, I think they're going to be able to do enough on offense. And Marshawn Lattimore is going to have to handle either Thielen or Diggs 
frankly, I don't care which one it is because the other one will be open then. Because I, I just don't trust the Saints secondary. Like, I know they have very good safeties. I, I just don't trust them against the way this Pat Shermer offense works. Mm-hmm. The way that, and the, the X factor in this game for me is Kyle Rudolph. Yeah, he, yeah. It's just so underrated as a tight end. Especially in, in the red, red zone. In the red zone, he's going to get like, if they get in the red zone, if it's not a rushing touchdown, it's going to be like two touchdowns for Kyle Rudolph. Like, it, it's going to be one of those games. So. Well, it looks like I'm fucked. Like, hopefully, hopefully I can get over on you guys in two out of three of these games, at least one. <laughs> I know. I, I don't want to be battle. full. I don't want to be full bust going into the AFC and NFC championship. So hopefully I can get lucky with, you know, maybe two of these games. If, if that's too greedy, maybe one of them. But uh, I, yeah, I like a lot of your points. I still like New Orleans to cover. I think that offense is a powerhouse, and they've been playing meaningful football. I don't know how much you put into that, but I mean. I didn't see Tennessee beating Kansas City last week. I mean, weird shit happens. So I mean, just lay the money. And I, I think new. I I don't think New England's gonna have any problem covering the fourteen. I mean, you got you guys both made really good arguments there uh, for Tennessee and how they match up well. But it's just watching the game last year against Houston or whatever. Just using that as an example. It's not the same game or whatever. But it's just. New England can put the foot on the gas, and before you know it, they're up 21 points. I mean, yeah, no doubt. It's scary to fake them. It really is. Yep. I'm not. I'm not happy. Even though I got 14 points, I'm. I'm definitely not. Uh, not confident. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Stan. Why don't you tell us what's going on on the basketball side this week? Uh just talking about hoops, man. You know, you guys come over, check us out. We got a lot of good writers, you know, put them, pumping out a lot of good content. And, uh, you know, you like hoops, that's going to be the place for you guys to check out. Awesome. And, uh, Reed, why don't you let us know what's going on on the hockey side this week? Oh, man, hockey, we actually just released a podcast. should be out Friday morning. Um, we actually did a what if the NHL and KHL allowed the players to go to the Olympics in 2018 because all the teams – all the countries are releasing their Olympic rosters and holy shit. They look terrible. It's like the <laughs> Cleveland Browns of every country's players. Cause the NHL players and KHL players are not allowed to go. So the Canadian and American teams look dreadful. Oh, wow. as do every team. So Russia. So yeah, no Russia can't go either because they're whole countries like banned from the Olympics. So there's that whole who do, who do you think's the favorite then? Jesus. Uh... North Korea? North Korea's the favorite then? No, North Korea. <laughs> North Korea is probably not going to be the favorite in this one. Um, honestly, I have no idea. It's going to be so open because it's like no one knows anything about these teams. Like okay. these are all players that are from like they're like retired like they stopped playing five years ago. Wow. Like the average age of these teams is going to be like 33. Oh shit. Because they're all just old players that aren't in the NHL anymore that retired. Some, some Chris Chelios and, going on. Got the 50 year olds. Yeah, out there I, too. Mean, <laughs> I mean, if you remember Brian Gianta, the guy's like 39 years old. He's the captain for USA. Hmm. Like he's going to be like a first line player. Like, it's going to be dreadful. Interesting. But, and yeah, like I won't be watching it. But that's what we did on the hockey podcast this week. There's a 
there's a lot of good stuff where you still do the injury report. We're more uh, fact based than we are like uh, I don't want to say shits and gigs, but uh, with Viz's nice recipe voice, we like to uh, spice it up every now and then. But it's mainly uh, data and content driven. So our listeners, hopefully, they do better in their fantasy leagues than those who don't. They should. That's that. That'd be a good thing. That's that's the goal. And I'm releasing a couple mock drafts coming up for the football side. Yeah, I, so, I talked to Jay, and he I think he's going to try and get that out tomorrow. So uh, yeah, be on the lookout so for that. Look, yeah, um, post any comments. I will say this: mock drafts this early are all over the place. So if you so if you're mad at me because I only have one running back in the first round, that that's okay. You can be mad. I just didn't have one at that time. But maybe next week I will. Who knows? Yeah, and if you don't like reads, then click on another website because there's so, <laughs> there's there's so many different. There's the gazillion of them. Yeah, it's... some of them make no sense whatsoever, and some of them make a ton of sense. I think mine makes a ton of sense. No, but... and and I agree. So yeah, definitely check reads out. Uh, the podcast should be out Friday. Um, and if this is out before then, then it'll be out uh, in the after. Then the mock draft will be out in the afternoon. If this comes out in the afternoon, I'm sure the mock draft's out in the morning. So uh, thank you for tuning in, guys, and enjoy your divisional round. And we will catch you later next week for the conference championships. Later. All right. Cool. Later, guys.